0: Top three items on today's Cigar Dave show. Number one, our Memorial Day observance. Number two, the Uvalde, Texas Elementary School Massacre. Loads of questions we need to solve the underlying problem of young, disaffected, angry males. And number three, a first-time cooking suggestion for a listener, a lieutenant, an alpha male that just bought a new pellet smoker. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha. The world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant. The five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations, fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com.
1: This is The Cigar Dave Show with The General.
0: Well, it has been quite a week. No question about it. Another tragedy, another massacre. We will get into that in just a bit. But as always, I extend to you on this Memorial Day weekend, a long-ash snappy salute. Semper delectatio, Always pleasure. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. It is your global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Cigar City, of Tampa Florida USA and on this Memorial Day we know we as alpha males as patriotic Americans we know that Memorial Day is far more than just throwing a steak or dogs or or burgers on the grill it's more than going to the beach the unofficial start of summer going to play golf three-day holiday weekend it is far more than that unfortunately We all know. Now, we, when I say we, all of us alpha males, all the lieutenants in the alpha army, we all know the significance of Memorial Day. Sadly, there are newer, younger generations that don't appreciate the significance. There are older Americans that don't appreciate the significance. If you ask somebody, well, what is the true observance of Memorial Day? They absolutely have no idea. They'll say, oh, it's the start of summer. Oh, it's the start of barbecue season. Oh, it's when we open our swimming pool. No, it is far more than that. We do not celebrate Memorial Day. We observe Memorial Day. For those of you that have been longtime listeners, you know That on Memorial Day weekend, whenever we have conducted broadcast maneuvers and Memorial Day observance maneuvers, the one thing that drives me crazy, two things actually, on Memorial Day weekend when people say, have a happy Memorial Day. Memorial Day is not about being happy. It is about observing the men and women that have fallen in battle on behalf of our nation to celebrate correction, not celebrate, but to glorify their service and their sacrifice for the freedoms you and I and every other American enjoy. Freedom is not free. We all know this. Unfortunately, there are some that take it for granted. We do not. We do not take for granted, in any way, shape, or form, the freedoms that we enjoy. And on Memorial Day, we pause, even if it's for a minute at high noon, or for five minutes, or 10 minutes, or however long. Stop for just a few minutes. And remember, those men and women, millions that you don't know, have never met who laid down their life so that you could enjoy yourself on this weekend. You could go out to the beach and play golf and throw burgers on the grill and have a picnic and have a barbecue. It is imperative we never forget the sacrifice that they have made. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in the United States for mourning the United States military personnel who have died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. It was formally observed on May 30th from 1868 to 1970. However, Memorial Day is now observed the last Monday of May per congressional proclamation. Many cities and people have claimed to have first commemorated the event in 1868. General John Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic called for a Decoration Day, which was widely observed. By 1890, every northern state had adopted it as a holiday. The World Wars turned it into a generalized day of remembrance instead of just for the Civil War. Now, there are two other days that celebrate those who served or are serving in the military. Armed Forces Day, which is earlier in May, and of course, Veterans Day that we also celebrate and observe on November 11th, who honors all those who served in the United States Armed Forces. There are, of course, parades throughout the country. The tradition is that you raise your flag in the morning, half-staff, and at high noon in a snappy, quick move, you bring that flag to full staff, to the top of the mast. And at high noon, I think it's a perfect time for people to just stop, just for a few minutes, and just recognize those people who pay the ultimate sacrifice. There are many families that are serving, that are, that are this weekend on Memorial Day, It's a very difficult time for them. They will spend the time visiting their loved ones in the cemetery whether in Arlington or any other federal cemetery across the country or even in a private cemetery those that laid down their life. Remember those people, those families. It's not a day about or a weekend just about going to the beach or the unofficial start of summer for them. It is far more personal to them. I remember President Trump a few years ago on Memorial Day, after giving a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, he was driving, he went actually to go see, visit the grave of the, at one time he was the director of the um, of Homeland Security. Then he became uh, his uh, chief of staff. And he was walking to visit the grave of his son, who had, was killed in action, I believe in Afghanistan. And while walking there, President Trump spotted a young boy, a mother and a young boy, maybe five years old, dressed in the military blues, the marine blues that you would see, a Marine if they were attending a formal function. And President Trump stopped and spoke to him for several minutes and it was a very touching, the picture of seeing this young boy paying tribute to his fallen father is an image that captured the nation. Whether you are a Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, anybody that it did not have an effect on is heartless. And that was very telling to me because there is a boy that will not grow up with his father. There is a wife who has lost her husband. And they went to Arlington on Memorial Day to pay tribute. To them, it is not about a picnic, playing golf, swimming in the pool, throwing hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill. So let's keep that in mind this weekend. I know you shall. Because all of the alphas that are members of this alpha army, this giant community worldwide, we understand the significance. We are patriotic and understand the significance of Memorial Day. It is our tradition. During Memorial Day, we observe the pledge. We play the pledge with the great, late John Wayne. The national anthem, either with Whitney Houston or Doug Allen, the former anthem singer for the Buffalo Sabres, and we will this year have Doug Allen, who will give us his rendition of the National Anthem. And then we are, before we play our rendition of Taps, President Ronald Reagan, in 1981, during his inauguration, on January 20th, 1981, had a, during his inaugural address, had about a a three-and-a-half-minute excerpt where he talked about the importance of our freedoms. He talked about that freedom isn't free and recognized all those Americans that laid down their lives for the freedom we enjoy as Americans. And I came across it and wanted to play it this year. It is quite appropriate. And when you listen to it, you will know why Ronald Reagan was called the great communicator. He was, and he was an outstanding president. First president I was able to, uh, ever able to vote for when I turned 18, and then we'll conclude with taps. So I ask you right now to please rise, remove your cap, which I know you will, as we observe Memorial Day and pay tribute to those men and women that paid the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of our great United States of America.
1: I pledge allegiance to the flag of
2: the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
1: Oh, say can you see?
2: To the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much prospered as no other people on earth it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth the price for this freedom at times has been high we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Pork Chop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker, lies a young man, Martin Treptown, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom,
0: On this Memorial Day weekend, let us never forget the men and women that laid down their lives for all Americans to enjoy freedom. President Ronald Reagan summed it up. We will never surrender for our freedom. May they all rest in peace. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com.
1: With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar lightation Maneuvers. Well, today we will play the Armed Forces
0: Medley on this Memorial Day weekend. I think that is only appropriate, the Army, Air Force, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, and now Space Force, they need to get a song as well. On this Memorial Day weekend, it is only appropriate that we select a cigar and libation that have American roots. I will tell you, this is the first time in just over a month that I am firing up a cigar. As many of you know, I had the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, and so specifically on purpose for the last, certainly the last uh, four or five weeks, I stayed away from cigar smoke, anything that would cause irritation to my uh, upper respiratory tract or nasal passages. But now I am 100%. Congestion is gone. Voice is back to where it should be. Energy levels are back. Thank you, Ivermectin. Thank you, Zithromax, z thank you, methylprednisolone. They work. As you know, we have spoken about ivermectin in the past. If you are interested in more info on that, just do a search of our previous podcasts. But on this Memorial Day weekend, let us enjoy cigars that have some sort of American roots. So the first thing, right off the bat, I'm going to smoke a cigar made Rolled in the United States. I'm going to enjoy a cigar that is rolled, actually, on 7th Avenue in Ybor City, the historic cigar manufacturing area within the city of Tampa, going back to uh, the late 1800s when Vicente Martinez Ybor brought the cigar industry, first from Cuba to Key West and then Key West to Tampa, and thus Tampa, still known as the Cigar City. And Yanko Maceda, a Cuban immigrant, Began rolling cigars on 7th Avenue in Ybor City. He's now moved to a bigger location. The name of his cigar manufacturer is Tabanero Cigars. And if you ever visit the cigar city of Tampa and you visit the Columbia Restaurant on 7th Avenue, oh, just a few blocks down, you will find Tabanero Cigars right next to the Bad, or near the Bad Monkey military bar that we, for many years, recorded our Memorial Day and and our Veterans Day shows from. Yanko has done a fantastic job finding great cigar tobaccos, rolling great cigars. He's got not a ton of rollers, but just great rollers. The quality is off the charts. And I've selected the Masada Handmade Tampa Toro. Six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge. This is a medium bodied cigar. I have it in my hand. Beautiful. Love the uh, just the feel of it. It's got a nice Colorado colored Ecuadorian sun grown wrapper. The binder is Ecuadorian sun grown. And the filler leaves are Nicaraguan and Ecuadorian. You don't see Ecuadorian filler leaves very often. But Yanko decided he would put this in his blend, and the result is a wonderful cigar experience. Medium bodied, nice flavor. Just a nice-looking cigar. Comes in a tube, so it's a great if you're going to go to the golf course or you're going to travel, you're going to go fishing, hunting, whatever the case may be. Just stick it in your backpack, stick it in your briefcase, stick it in your bag, and it will be secured. Suggested retails 18 bucks for this cigar. On this Memorial Day weekend, the Tabanero Maceda Toro Tube, my cigar selection this week.
1: Cigar-altering and highly-sharpened leaf-exposing device.
0: Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for action.
1: Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus.
0: I have the Cigar Dave 5-star. Five jet flames arranged in a Pentagon arrangement to commemorate my 5-star general designation and rank. It's funny, this is the first time in a month that I have picked up a cigar the cutter, the lightation device, it is like riding a bicycle. I'm not going to forget how to properly puff and rotate and conduct litation and libation ceremony maneuvers, but I will tell you, during the time that I had the Wuhan virus, I had zero desire to have a cigar. None. Now, there are cigarette smokers, I guarantee you, that said, oh, I still need my nicotine fix. We don't smoke cigars for nicotine. You know that. I know that. We all know that. The FUDA, that's another story. So when you are sick, the last thing you want to do is be next to the cigar aroma, the cigar smoke. That's why I didn't go into the Davidoff Store and Lounge. I finally went in yesterday, saw Tommy D, Tommy Diadio, for the first time in about four or five weeks. And he's like, where you been? I said, got the Wuhan virus, but I'm back, and we will be enjoying cigars and libations. And starting next Thursday on our Brother Bold Alpha podcast, we will be picking up our weekly spirits celebration with Tommy D., A different spirit every week. And we've already got the schedule laid out for June. And for July, June, we're going to be featuring primarily summer wines, cool, refreshing wines. And for July, we will be, for Independence Day month, we'll be enjoying and sampling the quintessential first American spirit. That is rye whiskey, which, by the way, I will also enjoy today. If you have not subscribed to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, just do a search wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you download it. Take some, a listen to some of our archive podcasts. Give us a five-star review. But I have got my litation device. And now
1: we're going to go full blast for the first time in one month. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Oh, I'm so ready to enjoy a fine premium
0: cigar such as this Tabanero Masada Toro Tube. That is rolled in the Cigar City of Tampa, Ybor City to be specific. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this beautiful-looking Toro. Oh, now I'm really getting the first couple of whiffs. When you have not enjoyed the aroma of a cigar for over a month you really can appreciate that alright taking my time we're letting the wrapper toast first nice as I'm turning rotating the cigar alright now I'm going to toast the filler leaves and again I am not placing the flame right into the foot of the cigar it's about two inches below I'm allowing heat to cause combustion alright let me puff and rotate
2: oh Mmm, whoa,
0: as Johnny Carson would say. Mmm, oh, this is orgasmic. Every puff I'm taking, my palate is saying, welcome, cigar smoke, welcome, cigar flavor, welcome, cigar aroma. My palate is in a state of maximum pleasure right now. Outstanding. mmm. Mm. Mm -hmm. As I blow on the foot of the cigar, I have a perfect even amber glow. Oh, this is so nice. Mm -hmm. Sergeant Steve, do I have to continue conducting broadcast maneuvers? Can you handle it? I just want to sit here and smoke my cigar uninterrupted for the next 30 minutes.
2: I can handle it, or we can just let the
0: uh, U.S. Armed Forces Band take over. No, you handle it. Go ahead. We've got Sergeant Steve, the new host of the Cigar Dave show, you know, just kind of like when, when uh, uh, who was it? Uh, when Johnny Carson always had guest hosts. You know, it was Joan Rivers or it was uh, Jay Leno or David Letterman, Don Rickles, uh, Frank Sinatra guest hosted, um, Bob Newhart. You no, know, it always, uh, what was the other one? There's another comedian. Uh, Gary Shandling, mm-hmm. I think, used to guest host, if I'm not mistaken. So, Sergeant Steve, the microphone is yours. This
1: podcast will be 40 minutes today. <laughs>
0: I think we're at about 27 minutes right now, 29 minutes, something like that. Yeah. So if you want to end it, no, we're not going to end it. We have way too much to discuss. But I will tell you that this cigar that I have in my hand, when you have not smoked a cigar for over a month and you light up for the first time, it is indeed a magical, outstanding, exceptional experience. Hmm. Mm. And this cigar, medium bodied, nice notes, nice robust flavor. Just subtle, just subtle buttery-type flavors on this. Very, very smooth. Yanko Maceda makes great cigars. If you're ever in Tampa, make sure you visit him. Tell him Cigar Dave, the general sent you, and he will treat you great. I can tell you that. He's a wonderful gentleman and uh, done a great job. Coming from Cuba, the American dream, setting up Tabanero cigars. And he's got a new cigar, actually, that he's going to be uh, launching, a super ultra-premium cigar at the uh, Premium Cigar Association trade show in July. So we'll get more info on that. All right, now I've got my cigar, and now my palate is saying, please, General, provide me with some sort of libationary activity. So, without further delay.
1: Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. America's
0: first, really the quintessential American spirit. Everybody thinks it's bourbon. It's not. It was rye whiskey. Rye whiskey, the original quintessential American spirit, why? Because rye heavily grown on the East Coast, New York State, Virginia, in fact George Washington was not a teetotaler. He was a distiller as well. He distilled rye whiskey on his Virginia estate. So, for Observing Memorial Day, it is only appropriate we have an American-themed whiskey, and I can think of nothing better than Jack Daniel's single-barrel rye whiskey. I've got a beautiful bottle right in front of me. This Tennessee whiskey is just exceptionally smooth because it goes through the Lincoln County process. What is the Lincoln County process? They take maple, they fire it up, becomes charcoal. They put in these giant, big vats. They're about, I don't know, six, eight feet feet wide. And then they slowly pour the whiskey, the Jack Daniels rye or the bourbon whiskey, through the charcoal and it drips slowly through about six feet of that charcoal and it removes the impurities. It mellows it, it smooths it. Very, very unique, the Lincoln County process. And we have, the result, a very nice Tennessee rye whiskey. So what I will do is just pour a little bit here. We'll open her up. There we go. We'll pour a little bit. Again, this is the first libation. Well, no, this is not the first libation. When I had a uh, somewhat of a sore throat and a dry throat, I actually took some tea and put a little bit of bourbon and a little bit of honey. So somewhat of a... Re- it's kind of a hot toddy. And it did... Uh, I will tell you, it suited my throat very nicely. All right, let me. Wow, I'm getting some nice aroma. Definite apples, plums, nice fruit, a little bit of charred oak. All right, let's say. Cheers. Take a sip. Mmm. Mmm. Getting some caramel, butterscotch, a little spice. One thing about Rye whiskey. Rye is spicy. So you're going to notice some significant spice. And remember, single barrel, we're talking 94 proof. 80, 47% alcohol by volume. Limited to only 8,000 cases per year. That's it. Let me tell you about the mash bill because it is somewhat different than regular Jack Daniels. First up, it contains 70% rye, 18% corn, 12% malted barley. This mash bill is the first new mash bill that was used at the Jack Daniels distillery in Lynchburg, Tennessee, which I have visited in over a century. 70% rye, 18% corn, 12% barley. So the corn's going to give it some sweetness, but barley's going to smooth it out a little bit. So we've got a very nice flavor here. Nice spice. And the suggested retail price is not really crazy when you look at it. You're looking, I think, at about uh, 55 to 60 bucks per bottle for 750 milliliter. So very nice. We've got our Tabanero Meseda Toro Cigar that is rolled in the Cigar City of Tampa, Ybor City to be specific, and the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Rye Whiskey Tennessee Rye Whiskey that is grown, the corn the rye barley all grown in the United States and of course the whiskey is distilled in Lynchburg, Tennessee. So we say cheers and I raise a glass to all those men and women that laid their lives down so that we as Americans, enjoy the freedoms that we do. I thank them, I say cheers to them, and may they all rest in peace. When we return, we shall get into topic number two today, the Uvalde, Texas, elementary school massacre, the shooting, unacceptable what took place. We will discuss that and much more as the Cigar Day Memorial Day Observance Show continues. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses, essentially, the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're gonna get some unique sweetness, you're gonna get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied, balanced smoke. Try one of each, you can't go wrong. The brand new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andreas Maduro wrapper. Visit Gurkasigars.com. What took place on Tuesday is horrific almost unbelievable coming off what took place in Buffalo just a few weeks before we've got a huge problem in this country it's not guns now of course you're going to hear the politicians the Democrats the liberals the Hollywood elite you're going to hear them talk about gun control you're going to hear them say that we don't need assault rifles we don't need this we don't need that we need to eliminate all weapons the NRA is evil We have a bigger problem than that, my fellow alphas. It involves angry, disaffected, disenfranchised males. We'll get into the details on that, but before we do, I want to spend several moments discussing the police response to what took place in Uvalde, Texas. When you think about little kids attending Robb Elementary School, going about their day, getting up that morning excited because there's only one more day of school left, they were winding down their school year, second graders celebrating that they would be going into third grade next year, third graders going into fourth, Fifth graders going into middle school should be a pleasant, happy time. Summer is here. They're out for summer break. That should be a wonderful, happy, exciting time. I remember the end of school in grade school. It was always hot. The school I went to had no air conditioning up in Buffalo. And we would always get out of school right around mid-June, around June 15th, 16th. But we wouldn't go back until after Labor Day. Whereas in the South, schools end much earlier. They end anywhere between mid-May to the end of May, but they start up in mid-August. So it would always be hot and warm. And I remember the last couple of days, exams were done, tests were done, we'd meet our new teacher for the following year, we'd be excited. Summer camp around the corner. It was an exciting time. We were done with winter. That's what The end of a school year should be all about happiness, joy. People are kids are graduating, they're moving up, they are moving out to different schools, summertime, summer vacations, spending time with your friends, going to camp, whatever the case may be. None of those 19 children, and I believe they were fourth graders. And the two teachers, the two adults, when they woke up that morning, I talked about this in Buffalo, the Buffalo shooting. When the, when the people that were going to the top supermarket in Buffalo to pick up a birthday cake for their son or to pick up some food for a barbecue that weekend or just to pick up some odds and ends, none of them woke up that morning saying, today is going to be my last day on Earth. Today, when I go into a supermarket, I will be gunned down. I will be executed. None of those 19 children and the two teachers woke up that morning in a small town, Uvalde, Texas. Was it 19,000 people? None of them woke up that morning saying to themselves, I better enjoy today. This will be the last day I'm on earth. Not one of them. They were thinking about school ending. One more day, summer vacation, teachers saying goodbye to their kids that they had all year and and introducing themselves to a new group of, of elementary school students that they would be teaching the following year. None of them woke up that morning with an inkling or one iota that that would be the last day on this earth. This heinous act was committed by 18-year-old Salvador Ramos. Problems out the yin-yang. He shoots his grandmother. Who does that? Who does that? Shoot your grandmother, your 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 grandfather, relatives, who does that? Somebody that could be so angry that you would shoot your grandmother? in the face, and then take your weapons, drive to the school, the elementary school, crash your car in a ditch, shoot around for uh, uh, gunshots for 10, 12 minutes, and then walk right into the school. Doors weren't locked. School resource resource officers still nowhere to be found. We can't get answers on that. There are loads and loads of questions. So let's break it down into two different aspects today. Let's give you some analysis. Let's look at what took place on a modified timeline. I'm not going to spend an hour talking about this, because even now, we're recording this show, by the way, on Friday, May 27th. Right now it is 1.38 in the afternoon. There was a press conference about an hour ago, maybe a little bit longer, where the timeline now is starting to come out. Now, as I record this show, over three days have passed since the shooting occurred. And we don't have a solid timeline yet. We don't have the 911 recordings. We have more questions than we do answers. So let's look, number one, at the shooting, the police response... And then let's take a look at the underlying conditions that are pervasive with some of these young, angry adults, these young men. Not adults, they're young men. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. We're seeing a commonality. We hear the Democrats, the leftists, saying, well, We need to get rid of guns. We have a huge—it's a gun problem. There were plenty of weapons in this country in the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, early—and even 1980s. We didn't see these school shootings back then. So we will tackle that. We will look at the underlying issue. So let's take a look at what happened, what we know so far. And again, this is as of Friday now at 1.39 p.m. in the afternoon, Friday, May 27, 2022. The gunman shoots his, this kid, shoots his grandmother, gets in his car, drives towards the school and crashes in a, like a gully. He starts shooting. There are two people at a funeral home across the street from where the car ends up in this embankment, this gully, They call 911 at 11.30. So he crashes his car at 11.28, starts shooting, first call to 911, comes in at 11.30 a.m. on Tuesday, Central Time. And then it takes the police, what did I hear, like 14 minutes, 12 minutes, to respond? This is a city. This is a town. This isn't a city. It's a village of 19,000 people. We're not talking L.A. or New York here. We're not talking about massive traffic jams on the highways. We're talking about a town where probably from one end to the other is five minutes, seven minutes. It takes the police 10, 12 minutes to respond. We still don't know about the school resource officer. We were told the school, school resource officer engaged with this scumbag, Salvador Ramos, but didn't fire any shots. Now, that seemed very unusual to me. When I first heard that, I said, let me, let, me, let me just get this straight. You see a kid coming in with a long gun, whether it's whatever it is, a rifle, an AK-47, whatever it is, with a backpack loaded with ammo, you engage with him, but you don't shoot him and kill him. I don't care if he's wearing body armor. Shoot for the face. You tell him, stop, put it down. If he doesn't, you shoot him. He's a threat. So we kept hearing that the school resource officer engaged, but the the uh, he didn't shoot. That's a little bit odd, don't you think? In Buffalo, the retired Buffalo police officer who was working security, he heard the shots and he went to go shoot the uh, the terrorist, the gunman kid was wearing body armor at the time and he shot but the kid returned fire and killed the security officer and one thing that is apparent now is we have to change tactics and the police have to change tactics or if you carry a weapon for protection you have to change your tactics a kid or somebody's wearing body armor you got to shoot for the face police are always taught shoot for the body several shots you got to start shooting for the face now but we're supposed to believe that a school resource officer sees this kid loaded with weapons and doesn't do anything? I found that, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, that cannot be right. The first thing you would do is take down that target. Well, the reason that the kid wasn't taken down, the assailant, the, the, the terrorist, is because there was no school resource officer on the scene. Now, it's three days later, as we record this show on Friday, May 27th, and uh, the spokesperson for the Texas Department of Public Safety was asked point blank by a reporter, where was the school resource officer? His response, we're still working on that. Now, he says, well, we'll I'm gonna give a quote. We'll have that answer down the road. I'm sorry, it's been three days. It takes three days to find out where the hell the security, the school resource officer was. Was he getting donuts? Was he getting coffee? Or I should say, he or she. Were was the school resource officer picking up a hamburger, getting lunch? What exactly was the school resource officer doing? Why? was the uh, school resource officer, the SRO, not on the campus. That's number one. Number two, why were the doors not locked? Number three, the terrorist walked around the outside of the school for 12 minutes before he got into the school. Twelve minutes. The police didn't engage him. They didn't look around and say, hey, let's find this kid. Let's see. we got to see where this kid is. Then the kid gets inside the building, fires off over 100 rounds, and then barricades himself apparently into a classroom. Now reporters are asking. Parents are asking. Parents were begging the police to go in and do something. Instead, we find out that it took the police an hour and 20 minutes from the time they arrived on scene until the time that the shooter was killed, was neutralized, as they say in police parlance. An hour and 20 minutes? What the hell were they doing? Grabbing donuts and coffee? Oh, they were setting up a perimeter. They were waiting for SWAT. They were waiting for tactical. They're trained in Texas. The spokesperson said they're all trained that when you, in a situation like that, when you hear that there are bullets, you immediately go in, everybody goes in. Go to where the sound of the shots are coming from. They didn't, they did nothing. Whether that was Uvalde, Texas police, or the county police, county sheriff's department, or the Texas Rangers, they weren't doing anything. It finally took a border agent who said I'm going in an elite unit that went in and ended up taking out the terrorist, taking out Salvador Ramos. But we see all of these questions that are not answered. And instead of doing a cockamamie press conference outside, how about doing it inside and having an exact timeline printed out for not only the media but for the public and for the parents? have maps printed to show the timeline, where everybody was, where the kid was, and release the 911 audio. I want to hear what the two people at 11.30 a.m. on Tuesday, what they initially reported. And then we're getting reports now that there were students calling 911 from within the school in the classroom. And in one instance, the 911 operator or police tell the, the, the girl start screaming so they know where to find you. Oh, she started screaming, and Ramos murdered her in cold blood. What the hell took place? What went on with the police? I'll tell you what's going on now. It's a major exhibit of covering their asses. They sit around for an hour and 20 minutes, setting up a perimeter. And when asked, the spokesperson says, well, Yeah, I I don't know why they did that, but they wanted to secure the... Set up a perimeter, get your asses into the building. This is an example. We always say half of the world is stupid. I say half of America is stupid. I don't care about your socioeconomic status. I don't care what your job is. Half of America is stupid. We have tons and tons of males that are wussified beta males. Now, you think police should be alpha and be decisive. We have exhibit A of number one, dumb police, stupid police, and number two, beta police. Nobody said, I'm alpha, I'm running a show, let's go. Nobody. And during this time, parents were in an uproar. They were begging, they were pleading with the police with law enforcement to go in and stop. Some of the parents said, give me the armor, I'll go in. And what are the police, how do they respond, these son of a bitches? And by the way, I always hear everybody, the first thing everybody says is, oh, these law enforcement, they are heroes. First responders, they're heroes. It's the standard line. It's like you have to say they're heroes. Well, I got news for you. I don't believe in the standard line. When there's a good, I, there's two kinds of cops. There are good cops and there are bad cops. When the cop does something exceptionally well, when they when they follow the the, the the their their procedures, when they do things well or right, I will be the first to acknowledge and give them accolades. When they screw up, when they're abusive, when they are dirty. When they are violating law, I will be the first to call them out. I don't believe that all cops are great. They're not. And I know we have many police officers that listen to this show. I know that. They've attended my shows. I get email from them all the time. But they also tell me the same thing: that dirty cops should be exposed and eliminated, or incompetent cops, because it's a tarnish, it's a stain on them, the good cops. Now I've said this, there are a lot of cops, it's not an overwhelming percentage, but there are enough that are psychopaths. Many of them become cops because they get a sense of importance, they get to walk around and think that they're in charge, that they've got a lot of power, big ego. I've seen it, you've seen it, we've all seen it. I can tell you I know police chiefs that have told me privately, yeah, we got problems. I can pick them out. You see the guys. They're bulked up, taking testosterone. You know, they're wearing a shirt that's uh, three, three sizes too small, the big muscles, the veins popping out of their head. There are tremendous numbers of police that abuse their spouses, their girlfriends. We see it all the time. So I will give accolades to good cops, but the bad cops, I'm not afraid to call out. And there's a shit ton of bad cops in this country. That doesn't mean it's the majority, but there's enough. And what we have here is a perfect example of incompetent cops. And so what did these cops do when the parents were pleading, begging, saying, I'm going to go in? One of the mothers was put in handcuffs by the U.S. Marshals. Bravo. Great move, U.S. Marshals, you dumb fucks. Another or several parents were tased. What was their crime? They were told they are uh, interfering with an investigation. There was no investigation. These cops and marshals and 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 uh, Texas uh, Texas Rangers were all twiddling their thumbs with a stick up their asses, doing nothing. And finally, a local cop who knew this mother said to the marshal, let her out of the handcuffs. What did she do? As soon as she was out of the handcuffs, she ran over the police line, ran into the school, and got her kids. Bravo for her. She has more balls and more bravery than the cops that were standing outside, probably waiting for a donut delivery. Now, if you would have told these cops there are free donuts and coffee inside the school, boom, they'd be in there in a millisecond. They stood outside and did nothing for one hour and 20 minutes. But they arrest parents, they tase parents, every one of those cops should be fired. Now I'll tell you, the Texas uh, Rangers, they all look very cool in their big Texas cowboy hats, but so far I'm seeing nothing but incompetence from these ass clowns. I mean, I'm looking at a replay of the video right now, you got these Rangers wearing their suits with the big white cowboy hats. The Texas Department of Public Security have been trotting out these idiots, these incompetent boobs, every day with no answers. Oh, we'll have to get back to you on that. Oh, I'm not sure about that. The mayor, the governor, should be right out front. Where are they? Where's Governor Abbott? Where's the mayor? They should be right out front. And there's no question that right now Governor Abbott must, appoint whether it's the lieutenant governor or somebody to lead an independent investigation because it is very clear this response was botched from the get-go arresting parents tasing parents that want to go save their kids because the cops were sitting there doing nothing every single law enforcement expert in these type of situations on every cable network Every radio show I've listened to have said, First thing you're taught, we learned after Columbine, you can't sit around. You hear shots, you got to go in. What happened to the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas incident on February 14, 2018? The school resource officer, in his act of bravery, fled the building. Instead of saying, I hear shots, I'm going to, I got to go shoot this guy, he didn't. He ended up getting fired. He should be hung, frankly. So when we look at what took place, we have more questions than answers. It's now three days as we record this show. Again, when, when, when somebody's asked, when this, when this spokesman is asked point blank, where was the school resource officer? We were told he engaged, he or she engaged. Now we find that's, that's a lie, that's not true. Where was the school resource officer? Simple question. Three days later, you should have the answer. And the spokesperson says, we'll have an answer on that down the road. We're three days down the road. You should have had an answer the first day after it took place. Who's running this damn investigation? It is very clear that the feds, local, state cops, they're all in cover-your-ass mode. We need to get to the truth for parents, for the victims, for American citizens. Everybody needs to know the truth, so we have no conspiracy theories. This is how conspiracy theories start, because the truth isn't being being exposed. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Throw it all on the table, and the governor should take the reins and say, from now on, I'm gonna be providing these updates. We're gonna provide updates, not once a day, every four hours. Because we're getting more information coming in, or as or as, or as more information comes in, we will do a, a, a brief a press briefing. I'm sorry. Where's the school resource officer? We'll have to answer that down the road. <clears throat> that is an embarrassment. They know exactly where the school resource officer was. They're just not saying it. We need to get answers. We need to get to the bottom of things. And when you see video of the parents screaming, pleading, begging with the cops to do something, it's an absolute joke. It's a disaster. It's unacceptable. We need to get to the truth. Now, let's look at the second part of this tragedy. The shooter. We have seen over and over again, from Columbine the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School attack on February 14, 2018, when 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz went in and disaffected uh, a kid and went in and shot up the place. We are seeing the same MO of these shooters, of these terrorists. They're young, 18 to 21. They're disaffected, they're male. They're angry. Now, I spoke about this four years ago after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas attack. Why are we seeing a rise in these attacks with these type of boys? We're not just going to look and say, well, it's a gun problem. It's not. There are many red flags that took place in the lives of this kid, this, this uh, Salvador Ramos the Nicholas Cruz, the kid in Buffalo. It's not an isolated, gee, I'm just going to wake up today and this is what I'm going to do. But nobody in this country, politicians especially, want to deal with the truth, want to deal with reality. If you want to solve the problem, get rid of the political nonsense, get people in a room, and say, we are not going to politicize this. We need to find... The truth, we need to find why these attacks are taking place with the same M.O., the same type of person. But instead, you got Beto O'Rourke. By the way, his real name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. So Robbie O'Rourke, Beto, he's as Spanish as I am the Pope, interrupts a press conference that was totally Wrong time, wrong place to make a political scene. All about politics. And by the way, he just destroyed his... He wasn't going to win anyway. Now he's going to get his ass kicked even more. Even Democrats I've spoken to said that's unacceptable. Wrong venue, wrong time, wrong place, totally inappropriate. Made an ass of himself is what he did. But we hear now, oh, let's get rid of the guns. Let's do this. Don't make it don't politicize it. Let's sit down in a room. Bring in not just politicians. Bring in psychologists, bring in psychiatrists, bring in parents, bring in teachers. Bring me in cuz I can tell you why are we seeing this explosion that we didn't see in the 1950s, 60s, 70s and 80s? There were plenty of guns back then. Second Amendment was still in force back then. Why is this taking place? Well, let me give you seven reasons off the bat. By the way, there was a uh, wonderful uh, op-ed piece by Maureen Callahan in the New York Post. I believe it was uh, yesterday or the day before with the headline, Our Greatest Public Health Crisis, the Angry Young American male, and she says, 20 years after Columbine, young male mass shooters are still targeting school children, only in America. And it's a malignancy in our culture, and like every untreated cancer, it continues to metastasize. She said, this one feels different, of course. Fourth graders, all in the same classroom, 19 children under the age of 11 killed, a 10-year-old girl shot to death while calling 911, her best friend covered in her blood. She brings up some very good points. Read it. Sergeant Steve, let's put a link to that uh, at CigarDave.com and our social media. Worth a read. But I'm going to go deeper than that. I'm going to give you the exact reasons what, why these are taking place. So what has changed since the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s? Number one, lack of a father or male role model. As a boy, if you do not have a father, an uncle, a grandfather, a male role model that teaches you how to become, go from being a boy to a young adult to a man, the boy is going to not experience, not be corrected when he does things that are not correct. What happens when you are a kid that has no direction, that is not given direction or not, not disciplined when necessary or not placed on the right path? You're going to stray. We have seen an explosion in the number of divorces and the number of one-parent families of kids that have no male role model. You don't just become an alpha growing up. You, you, you learn to become an alpha from your father, from your relatives, from, from other fr- family friends, from mentors. You need, As a boy, you need somebody to say this is how you treat women. This is how to be polite. This is what you do. You open doors. This is how you deal with things. If You don't have a male role model, the child, the boy is going to get, is going to be screwed. I've got a friend of mine who got divorced when her son was very young. And she told me, she made it a point to have numerous men in his life. Uncles, friends, other mentors, people, men that could guide him. And she said, I purposely had him spend time with his uncle and with, with other male friends. They would take him to ball games. They would spend time fishing and, and talking about the world and guiding him. Well, what happened when this kid turned uh, 18, graduates from high school? He ends up getting a great scholarship to college, graduates from college, goes to post secondary, gets a postgraduate degree, and now is out in the world successful. That doesn't happen unless he has the male role models around him. So his mother knew and realized that it was vital for her, even though she was a one-parent family and, and, and the, the father was not in the equation, she had to surround him with enough alpha male role models. And she did. We're not talking rocket science here. So we need to get boys that don't have fathers that don't have male role models, we need to find a way to get them mentors. By the way, I'm just looking at, talking about the father, article that I just saw, it just came down that I just printed here, that um, the father of Salvador Ramos, uh, who's, actually the son is named Salvador Ramos as well. So the father's Salvador, who's 42, the son is Salvador, who's 18, the father says he should have just killed me now where is the father the father divorced from the mother and the mother apparently has all sorts of issues the father said well says that he he uh, apparently has a job that uh, forced him to be out of the area so not close to where his son lives and that he digs holes around utility poles for inspection and because of the pandemic his own mother, who is suffering from cancer. The senior Ramos said he couldn't risk his mother being exposed to the coronavirus, so therefore he kept the son away. The son grew frustrated with the uh, Wuhan virus precautions about a month ago and refused to speak to him. Ramos hasn't seen him since. And he says that the senior Ramos faulted the boy's mother, Adriana Reyes. For not buying him more school supplies and clothes. He said his son was bullied at school for wearing the same high water jeans every day, and this is the reason he ultimately dropped out. Excuse me, you are the father. You can't, when you find out the kid only is wearing one jacket or one pair of slacks or trousers or jeans, you don't say, I'll tell you, let me get, let me drive over and I'm gonna take you shopping. Don't rely on the mother. You say, I'm going to take you, you call up the son and say, I'm going to take you shopping. If you know this is a problem, but the father relies upon the mother, what we have here is a total beta male, a pathetic exhibit of a father. If you know your kid's being bullied in school, and that he needed school supplies and he needed clothes, you don't drive over and buy them. We're not talking about taking them for... you know, $3,000 Italian suits. We're talking about taking them to Target or Walmart and picking up a pair of jeans or some shirts. Yet the father sits there and blames the mother. Please, you find a way to be with your kid. So clearly this kid had no role model. The father wasn't involved. And clearly the mother, the kid's living with the grandparents. So there you go, lack of male role model. Perfect example. So, what is the second reason why we're seeing these kids shooting, shooting up, and these angry kids? Because from the time they are young—three, four, five, six years old, ten years old, twelve years old—and they play t-ball, or they play soccer, or they play, they play uh, whatever game they play, basketball. They don't keep score because we can't keep score because we don't want to have winners and losers. We want everybody to feel like they're a winner. And these kids are told from the time they're little, you're a winner. Don't worry about keeping score. And what happens when nobody keeps score? Kids do not learn how to win with grace and lose with dignity. I can tell you, when I was a little kid, I hated to lose. I still hate to lose. And when I was a kid, of course I would pout. Four or five years old, didn't like something, didn't lose. You know, I pout like every kid. You start, you know, causing a scene, causing a commotion, jumping up and down, pouting. But that's when your parents tell you, look, when you lose, that should be the motivation to work harder and try harder. You don't lose and jump up and down. You lose with dignity and you say congratulations, and then you work harder and try to win. That is taught. What are we teaching boys? When they're five years old, six years old, seven, eight, when they're playing t-ball or baseball or soccer, and nobody keeps score and thus nobody learns how to win and nobody learns how to lose, you learn more by losing at that age than you do by winning. But everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Everybody's a champion. And when you tell kids that they're all winners, that in real life, you are going to lose on occasion. Whether it's losing out for a job, or losing out to be able to take somebody to the prom, or losing even when you play athletics at a, at a, at a higher age. You are not always going to win. And when they get to 17 and 18 and 19, and they're never taught how to lose with dignity or grace, what do you think's gonna happen? when they're not properly, at a young age, guided. That when you lose, you shake the opponent's hand and you work harder. You learn from your losses. Let me put another one in here. Number three. Parents have created a soft and weak generation. Whether you want to call them Gen Z, Millennials, whatever the case is, since 2000, late 1990s, we now have a weak generation. When I was growing up, we got bullied, we got teased, and we learned how to deal with it. We learned how to take it. We learned how to deal with it. Kids today don't know how to deal with it because... What happens? Oh, you're bullying? Sorry, we're gonna put you in a corner. You can't tease a kid. Look, teasing is part of growing up. Teasing in a good fashion nature is actually a good thing. Teasing builds character. Gives you some backbone, gives you a set of balls. But nope, we've got a soft and weak generation. Oh, we can't bully, we can't tease. No, we can't allow that. We've got, to, we've got to coddle them. Well, when you coddle kids, boys, this is what's going to happen. We have coddled an entire, not one generation, two generations of boys. Number four, let boys be boys. What do boys do? They wrestle. They roughhouse. They get into it. When you're five, six, seven, you're on the playground. But what do we see today? Teachers, oh, we can't have that you're going to be suspended. No, get away. They don't let boys be boys. What do they say? Oh, your son has just way too much, too much uh, energy. It's just just way too much unacceptable energy. Well, let's relate this to puppies. Because I have my German shepherd canine right next to me. He's lying down. Pendragon's royal baron. And before that, I had Pendragon's royal sultan. And I got them from the time they were eight weeks old. And What do puppies do? They're going to be rambunctious. They're going to play. They're going to have lots of energy, then they're going to snooze. Then they're going to have lots more energy. So What do you do with a puppy? You throw the ball. You give them bones. You take them for walks. You expend that energy. Same thing with boys. Boys have tremendous amounts of rambunctious energy. What are teachers doing? They're preventing that energy from being expended in healthy ways. Instead, You have to go to the principal's office. These two boys were roughhousing. That's what boys do. That is part of the process. If you look at puppies when they're young, what do you see them do when you get three, four puppies? They all take their mouths and they try to like bite the other puppy. And people say, oh, don't let that happen. No, that's a normal part of their social upbringing. You want that to take place because when the puppy gets a little bit too rambunctious, the other puppy is gonna give it to him. And that's where they learn the social hierarchy, that's where these puppies learn about what's acceptable and what is not acceptable. When teachers and school administrators are calling out boys for roughhousing and playing and wrestling, getting that energy out letting boys be boys what do you think's going to happen you're going to suppress that energy in a volatile way number 4 we're seeing boys that are isolated that don't go outside and play they're hooked they're 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 basically in front of a screen they're addicted to a screen all day long Whether it's their phone screen, whether it's their TV screen, their computer screen, they're playing video games. And what are the video games? I looked up to see what were some of the top video games. Grand Theft Auto. That's great. We are teaching boys at a young age, hey, this is a great game. Go, Go steal autos. Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. So what do we see? We see kids whose minds are not developed, They're going out, they see these violent video games shooting everything up around. When I was growing up, we would go out and play for hours until our parents would call and say, come on, you gotta finally come in. We would play street hockey or ice hockey or basketball or ride our bikes or run around or kickball. We would be out playing, socializing, interacting with other boys. Today, they're not interacting. They're inside all day. And then you get these violent video games. And when we would watch TV as a kid, I mean, we would watch Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. We would watch shows that embraced heroes, the superheroes, and looked down upon the villains. Today, no such luck. You see these violent video games, and I think some kids, I'm not blaming it 100% on that, but some lose their sense of reality. Shut the screen, get kids outside. That's a huge difference. And that falls on the parents. Number six, teachers the last 25 years have spent a disor- an inordinate amount of time focusing on girls in the classroom rather than boys. This is scientifically proven. There have been studies that have been done the last decade or so examining the dynamics in a classroom with teachers and girls and boys. And The proof is in the pudding. Girls now represent the overwhelming majority of college graduates. I believe 56-58%. Used to be the opposite. In terms of post-secondary degrees, it's not even close. I think uh, 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 women represent something along the line of 60-plus percent of post-graduate degrees. Why is that? Well, it's because boys have been neglected in the classroom. You look on television, men and boys are looked as dumb-oafs. You know, I, I always refer to everybody loves Raymond. Raymond would be the sport, it was a sports columnist, but he'd have to go into his wife. Hi, Deborah, she balances the checkbook, she takes care of everything. I'm just a dumb oaf. Really, when you looked at it, they portrayed him like an idiot, like a buffoon. And we see many shows and movies that look, that show men, just portray men as idiots, as buffoons, as incompetent dumbasses. They're not alphas, they're betas. Number seven, the feminist movement the last 40, 50 years has demonized boys and men, saying that boys and men, are, they're responsible for the glass ceiling, theirs they keep women down. They've been going after boys and men for the last half century. I'm all for equal rights. Everybody should have the, the, when you go in for a job, I really believe, I don't care what your skin color is, I don't care if you're male or female, The most competent person should get the job. I don't believe in quotas. I don't believe in affirmative action. To me, if somebody is... I always ask this question. Would you want somebody that was flying your plane or operating on you if you needed some sort of surgery that wasn't the best in their field but basically was an affirmative action hire that needed a little bit of a push because they didn't have the grades necessary, or that we're going, because we need more women, or a certain type of, uh, of ethnicity, we're going to push them ahead of more competent people. You know the answer to that. You want the most competent person as the captain of your airplane, and you want the most competent surgeon available to perform surgery on you. That's not being discriminatory. That is being smart by saying, I want the most competent person. We don't want incompetence. We want competent people. But what we have seen now is that the feminists have, for the last 50 years, they have absolutely viewed men, and especially boys, as future predators. They're the future uh, rapists. They're the future bosses that are gonna keep women down. They have gone after boys and men for the last 50 years, they have wanted to feminize and beta boys. When you see boys wearing girls dressing up like a girl, wearing skirts or putting on makeup and the feminist movement applauding and saying, that's wonderful. We know not it shouldn't be about sex. I'm sorry. We have fucked up an entire generation, two generations of boys. I never wore dresses or dressed up as a girl, and I guarantee you didn't either. And we wonder why these kids, these boys today, are all screwed up. And I'll give you another, an eighth reason. Values in the classroom. The Pledge of Allegiance. When I was a kid, we all rose and recited the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we sang either the National Anthem, or we sang America the Beautiful, or God Bless America, My Country Tis of Thee. I talked to several teachers and say we can't do that anymore, we don't do it anymore. There's another issue, and I'm not the most religious person, more of a spiritual person, and I'm not advocating that we have to have absolute religion in the classroom, but we have lacked, in many cases, the morality that is necessary for young kids and boys to grow up to know what is right and wrong. Are the Ten Commandments so controversial that they can't be displayed? Don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't disrespect your parents? How is that so controversial? But yet, the Democrats, the liberals, the socialists, the Marxists have tried to remove that. I'm not saying that you have to have a church or a synagogue in the classroom. But is the ten are the ten commandments so controversial? Even if you didn't have all ten, little kids, okay, you know, don't covet thy neighbor's wife. Fine, get rid of that. But just say, hey, these are commandments. These are things we don't do from the time they're in nursery school. Is that so controversial? Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't uh, uh, don't disrespect your elders, your parents. Only today is that become so controversial that it needs to go to the Supreme Court. It really is obscene. It's absurd. And so when we look at all these issues, it is not one issue. It is a multitude of issues that are causing boys to be angry, to feel isolated, to to have this rage within them. And there's a new term, by the way. And I just read about this. Sergeant Steve. Are you familiar with the term, I want to get this, um, incel, incels? No. Apparently it is an abbreviation for involuntary celibate. And uh, uh, there's uh, apparently many of these boys today feel that they blame women for denying them love and sex. And so these are boys that can't get dates. They are isolated, and they are celibate at 18, 19, 20, 21, involuntarily. I've never heard of that, but apparently this is an issue, and I can see that. I can absolutely see that, because if somebody does not, if a boy doesn't have the social skills, doesn't have the confidence to walk up and talk to a girl, they're in for a big, huge problem. If you cannot... Even approach a girl just to say hello and talk to them. Forget trying to ask them out. You're going to have major problems. And think about this: when a boy goes and asks a woman out, a girl, a girl, out uh, to a date, to the movie, to the high school prom, and she says no, and a boy does not know how to accept loss because, in a way, that is a loss. There are losses that are on the on the sport athletic field. There are losses in life. There are losses in dating. If they do not know how to accept that, more anger builds up and rage builds up inside. I remember as I was a kid, I asked girls out all the time. It's a numbers game. Not everyone said yes. No problem. Look, there are women, that girls that wanted to go out with me. I wasn't interested in them. They just weren't my type. You don't have to be mean about it. But I asked girls out and they said, yeah, and I'm not interested. No problem. I didn't get into a rage and say, that's it. I'm gonna shoot them up but I'm gonna ret- retreat into my cave I'm going to I'm going to buy a gun and I'm gonna show them no you just say okay fine no problem why because you learn how to lose when you are young when you are four five six seven not that shouldn't be taught when when boys are 19, 18 19 20, 21 or not ta- taught at all If you really want to have a legitimate conversation on how we solve this, these are the things that need to be done. We need to provide better mental health evaluation and options. This country just threw $56 billion to Ukraine, a country that is not even an ally. And I'm not minimizing what's taken place in Ukraine. It's been horrific seeing those, those Ukrainians leaving essentially with one bag because their, their apartments are getting bombed out. Putin's a bastard. I can't wait for him to be assassinated. But where is Europe? Europe's not spending anything. We have 56 billion, they've spent collectively six billion. Ukraine is their neighbors, not ours. And we don't have money to send and, and solve this problem and say, look, we are going to create a nationwide network of mentors. We are going to create a nationwide uh, mental uh, health system where boys have issues. We're going to work with them and talk to them and let them get their feelings out. Instead, they stay isolated, playing video games, not socializing. This kid dropped out of high school. One of the the, uh, thoughts on why he acted the way he did was that... This week in Uvalde, Texas, the high school is graduating. I believe the graduation is, uh, is today, meaning f- we're recording this Friday, May 27th. The graduation ceremony took place today, or was scheduled to take place today, and there are pictures all around town of all the graduates. Well, he, he, he dropped out apparently a year ago and has stated that he was angry and his grandmother was angry that he wasn't graduating. So this kid, who clearly, let's look at some of the reasons here. Father, lack of male role model. His father's a zero. The father is nowhere to be found. In fact, can't even uh, he blames the mother for the kid not having the right clothes. Father needs to step up. Grandfather apparently is a felon. Why was he living with his grandparents? Because the mother apparently has got issues and the father doesn't live anywhere nearby. So what happens? You don't have a male role model growing up. Number two, kid didn't learn how to lose, got very angry. Number three, part of the soft and weak generation. Don't know how to get teased, gets bullied, doesn't know how to react. Number four, isolation, video games. Didn't go outside and play, stayed on these video games, interacting with people on the internet. Clearly, the teachers didn't focus on this kid. They let him drop out instead of saying, hey, let's let's try to work to keep this kid in school. Let's try to do something. Now, maybe they did. I don't know. And the value's in the classroom. I will guarantee you there are, what did I go through? Eight of these different different uh, reasons why this is happening, and there's probably two, three more that I didn't get to. But I'll guarantee you can pick three or four of those, and it applies to this Salvador, Ramos, nutbag. Go outside and play. Interact with others. Learn how to lose. We need role models. Everyone is not a winner. But we've got this soft, weak generation. If you want to really deal with the problem, this is what needs to be done. I could stand in a room with Democrats and Republicans and go through this with health professionals, and I will guarantee you they all nod and say, yep, 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 this needs to be done, and not one of them will do a damn thing. It is truly outrageous, and it is tragic that we have seen so much loss of life on these angry, disaffected boys that don't know how to channel their anger into constructive energy. Instead, they channel it into terrorism, into murder. That is unacceptable in this country. Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative need to get together. Stop the grandstanding. Let's solve the problem. Will it get solved? We all know the answer to that. I gave you a way. There's a roadmap here. And parents are involved, too. Parents have to be involved with their kids. The kid, the, the shooter in Buffalo... His parents, when the kid was 16, gave him, I think it was a Bushmaster 500 or some some sort of uh, a long gun. At 17, he threatens to shoot up the graduation ceremony at his high school, put into a mental health uh, facility for a day and a half for an evaluation, and the police don't follow up. Where were his parents? His parents knew this. Knew the kid had a gun, they should have immediately confiscated the gun, locked it up, and said, you're not going anywhere near that gun or any of our guns. Where were the parents? They are to blame. And I have no problem saying if we want to charge parents when they are knowingly negligent, when you know your kid is wearing a full hazmat suit to school for a week, You don't think that's an issue? When your kid threatens to shoot up the high school at graduation and is checked into a mental health facility for a day and a half for evaluation, you as a parent aren't gonna say, step one, I'm taking away the guns. Step two, we've gotta find him help. Whatever it takes, we need to find him help and sit down with him and find him help. Parents, nowhere to be found. And then they act surprised, I can't believe this happened. No, he told you it was gonna happen. But you bought him a gun at 16, and you allowed him to keep that gun when he was 18, instead of a parent saying, we're locking it up. Parents are culpable, too. And let's face it. The Wuhan virus restrictions, the isolation, the lockdowns, they haven't helped one iota. They have phony Fauci, the CDC... The Democrats that, that are, are running things in blue states and many of these school districts, they have screwed up the youth of this country for many more years than just the two years they were locked down and had to wear those masks. That will leave a permanent mark, guaranteed. I've talked to some parents who have daughters that are, I think, uh, now 11 and 13, and they say what they are seeing now from all these students, they are so screwed up socially, mentally, they've been isolated. What do you think is going to happen when you put kids in a room and say, you're going to learn today via screen for, for what, a year, two years? Of course it's going to have an impact. We need to wake up. It is not the guns. Guns have been around for a long time. And I don't have a problem, by the way, with universal background checks on every gun sale. You buy it privately, you buy it at a gun show, just like if you go into a gun store, background check. And anybody that opposes that, please, knock it off. You want to buy a new gun, you get a background check. Now I understand why. I understand why the NRA and many Second Amendment advocates, and I am one as well, why they are just so firm in... Changing any regulation. We've seen this in the world of cigars. Because when you give someone an inch, they will come back for a foot. When you give them a foot, they will come back for a yard. When they come back for a yard, they will want a mile. Perfect case in point. I call it incrementalism. In in California, the People's Republic of California, what did we see about 20 years ago? We want to eliminate smoking in buildings and in restaurants and bars. But people can still smoke cigars outside. So restaurants went and said, fine, we'll build a nice outdoor patio. Well, after about five years, what happened? The enemies of pleasure came back and said, well, it's working so well that we should eliminate smoking on patios, too. Now, this is after all the the bars and restaurants spent money to have a nice outdoor facility, an outdoor patio, and they posted signs saying we allow smoking if you're not don't want to sit out don't want smoking to be exposed, don't sit outside. No problem. But it became a problem. And then once they eliminated smoking on outdoor patios, then they said, "Well, now we want to eliminate it on golf courses and beaches and now on sidewalks." Do you understand why the NRA and gun advocacy groups and individuals are so hellbent against any regulation? It is because of incrementalism. Do you think for one millisecond if we said no more assault type r- rifles, no more AK-47s, Bushmaster 500s? No, none of that. We're going to eliminate it. can't buy it anymore. Do you think the gun law, the, the, uh, the enemies of the Second Amendment are going to stop there? then they're going to come back and say, well, it's worked so well now we need to get rid of handguns and we need to get rid of this, and we need to get rid of that. It never ends. I understand fully why Second Amendment advocates are so concerned about any encroachment on their liberties because we as cigar connoisseurs have seen it firsthand. Incrementalism. It never starts with one thing. It's always one small item, and then it goes on and on and on. We're seeing this with this climate change bullshit, we're seeing it in every aspect of our lives. What we eat, what we consume. No, no, we just want to tax soft drinks. That's it, just a penny per, per, per ounce. Well, now, you know, we don't want you to eat meat. And now we don't want you to eat this. And we don't want you to eat that. They never stop. We want to eliminate the problem. Let's not focus on the gun. Let's focus on the person, on the individual, and why these attacks are taking place. I'm more than happy to volunteer at any and, and speak because what I have just provided today is what should be discussed in every state, in every city, by every government across this country. But they won't. And the excuse that we can't find money, Jesus, we just found $40 billion to throw over to a country that we're not even allies with but yet we can't find the $40 billion or $10 billion to create a mental health system in this country to avoid these tragedies? It's time for Congress to start looking out for Americans first. All the billions and trillions that were spent on Afghanistan and Iraq and now Ukraine, they need to be spent right here in our own home, the United States. We can solve the problem if people are honest and can put their politics aside. I'd be able to solve the problem, but with these other clowns in Washington, good luck. All right, the final and concluding segment of this Memorial Day observance edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com.
1: Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General,
0: what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer, right now it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andreas Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied, balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andreas Maduro wrapper. Visit Gurkasigars.com. Finally, today on our Memorial Day Observance edition of the Cigar Dave Show... Uh, let me. I want to talk about an email I received from an Alpha Lieutenant. But first, let me just tell all of you that are members of the Cigar Dave Officers Club that the April selection of the Casa Turrent 1880, the Casa Turrent 1880 Claro, the Casa Turrent 1880 Colorado, and the Casa Turrent 1880 Maduro all went out earlier this week. They all went out on Monday, and so you should have already... By the time you listen to this show on February, or correction, February, on, on Saturday, May 28th, we're recording it Friday, May 27th, but by the time you listen to this, when we drop this show on May 28th, Memorial Day weekend, you should have received your April 2021 selection. We realized it was late. There were all sorts of issues with the cigars not being properly aged. We thought they were ready. They weren't, so we had to scramble, so you will have those. That's number one. Number two, the May 2021 selection of Alec Bradley, we're calling it the Alec Bradley Spring Sampler, the Alec Bradley Black Market, the Alec Bradley Black Market SLE, and the Alec Bradley Max, that is shipping the middle of next week. So you will get it probably by the end of next week, so you should have it by June 2nd, June 3rd. And again, the issue has been just getting proper inventory. Now, I did speak to... My good buddy over at Alec Bradley, Ralph Montero, he was in Honduras for about 10 days, and he said, General, we are finally catching up with the tremendous demand that we have experienced the last two years. He said, it's just been nonstop. It's been crazy. We're starting to see a leveling of demand. And all the manufacturers are saying that's a good thing. It, The, the, the market for premium cigars exploded the last two years during the uh, uh, Wuhan virus lockdowns, why? Because people were working from home, they could smoke a cigar outside in their man cave, in their, in their basement, they could have a cocktail, that's why you saw off-premise consumption going way up of spirits and wines and other, and other um, alcoholic beverages. But what has happened now is as people are transitioning back into the office, now the number of cigars they're smoking is declining, the amount of spirits they're buying is declining, and also, I believe that inflation, the economy is going to take a toll. I was talking to a retailer earlier this week, and I said, what are you seeing out there? And he said, well, it's interesting. He said, we're still seeing the same volume of cigars, but we're seeing now people are gravitating towards less expensive brands. So for example, he said, I had a customer that would smoke a Davidoff every single, you know, he would go through Umteen Davidoffs every single week that were, you know, $20, $25. He said, now he's still smoking, loves to dab it offline, so he's now smoking an Avo or he's smoking a Camacho that are in the $12 or $14 area. He said, I've got another customer that normally smokes cigars in the $10 area. Now they're going down to about a $7 cigar. So I think we're going to see this with inflation, with the economy. We've seen that before. But the market is stabilizing. It's been crazy. I'm sure you've gone to your retailer shelves and saying, "Hey, where's this cigar that I love? I don't. Where's my brand?" And they tell you the same thing: we don't have it. They're back ordered. Well, now things are starting to stabilize, which is good for cigar connoisseurs. So, the Alec Bradley Spring Sampler, the Alec Bradley Black Market, which is a beautiful cigar draped in a dark, alluring wrapper. It's a medium-bodied four-country blend that features a rich Nicaraguan wrapper and a rare Pan- <coughs> excuse me, Panamanian filler. And as Alan Rubin likes to say, the uh, founder of Alec Bradley Cigars, he said, General, it's so good, it should be illegal. And he followed that up with the Alec Bradley Black Market Esteli, paying tribute to the manufacturers in Esteli, Nicaragua. A little bit spicier than the regular black market. It's the sequel to the black market. It amps up the flavor, four-country blend pack with rich, bold notes. And finally... We're featuring the Alec Bradley Max. This is one of the true hidden gems, I believe, not only in the Alec Bradley portfolio, but all of the cigar industry. It is a hidden gem. It's a cigar that is price great. It has a cocktail of Nicaraguan, Honduran, Mexican, Honduran, Mexican and Colombian cigar tobaccos. Smooth and silky, medium to full-bodied, a great stick, can't beat the value on it, I always tell Alec uh, uh, Alec and Bradley Rubin, and I tell Alan Rubin whenever I see him, and Ralph Montero, I'm like, guys, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the best cigars, not just that you guys make, but in the entire industry. You're going to love it. So that you will have if you're a member next week. Now, if you want to join the Officers Club, should mention we have a price increase for all members starting June 1st. So if you join now, the credit your credit card gets charged on June 1st, so you have a couple of days to join, but prices are going up. The monthly membership fee goes up to twenty five ninety five dollars per month. Now, I looked. We maintained our current membership fee, which was $22.95 per month for over 10 years. I don't know of many, many businesses that have held the line on prices for a decade, even though inflation has been 2% a year, Two and a half, one and a half. We kept the price the same, but we have no choice. $25.95 per month. It is still a steal. I'll give you an example. The three cigars, the Casa Torrents you're getting right now, those are worth about, I think, 65 bucks, And our members pay $22.95 per month for the April selection, which, you know, all well, should have received or about to receive in the next day or so. So starting June 1st, if you are a member, you will be charged $25.95 per month. If you join now, per month, it applies to everybody. It's still a great value. If you want to join the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. All the details are there, frequently asked questions, and you can uh, sign up. Now, I should tell you that for June, our Officers Club selection will be the new Gurkha Revenant. comes in both a Corojo and a Maduro. We'll have samples of both of those. So that is a great cigar, one of my favorites, beautiful box press stick, launched last summer at the Premium Cigar Association trade show. If you want to join the Officers' Club selection, get three super premium cigars or premium cigars shipped to you every month, $25.95 per month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers' Club. You will enjoy our monthly selections. All right, finally, received an email. It's appropriate on this Memorial Day long weekend. Received an email. Where is it here? Wait, I got it. Uh, Let me find it here. It is in my pile. Okay, this is from Lieutenant Bill in Atlanta. General, long-time listener going way back over 20 years to your WGST days. I have heard you talk about your pellet smoker, and I have been interested and fascinated ever since. Well, good news. I purchased a brand new Traeger pellet smoker this week. But I am clueless. I have no idea where to start. Don't even know what pellets to buy. Please help. Please guide me. Love your show. A longtime Alpha Lieutenant from Atlanta. Lieutenant Bill, I'm going to set you on the right track. So let's talk about a couple. First of all, Traeger makes a great pellet grill. I've got the uh, Camshaft. By the way, Traeger just came out with a top of the line. I think it's their Ironwood series. It's like four grand. This thing is the Mac Daddy. I'm going to have to somehow test that brand new Traeger, but I'm going to guide you, Bill, and do anyone else listening, because I know that Memorial Day is always a big weekend for people to go out and purchase a new grill, a new pellet smoker, uh, whatever the case may be. So first thing is, we need to look at pellets, then I'm going to give you a dish that's easy, something to cook, super easy. We're not going to start with brisket, we're not going to start with ribs. Those take a little bit more time and can be a little bit more intricate. You want to win. And When I say win, you want to be able to put something on where you say, hey, it's hard to screw up. Everybody's gonna love it. I'm gonna look like a super expert pit master, and I got to win. Win for me because everybody thinks I'm a pit master that knows what he's doing, and it's a win for them because they're going to ooh and ah after they take the first bite. They're gonna take a bite and they're gonna go, ooh, ah, oh, this is so delicious. It's so tasty. So let me give you a couple of suggestions. First, pellets are key. Pellets are essentially wood, different types of wood. It could be alder, it could be oak, it could be maple, it could be hickory, tons of different mesquite, different types of wood. And what happens is the manufacturers of these pellets will take the wood, they grind it into sawdust, and then they will compress it into high heat, and those basically you dump into your hopper and the pellet smoker does the rest. You set it, you forget it. If you're going to set the temperature at 225, 250, your computerized pellet smoker is going to do everything to keep the temperature stable, as opposed to a stick-burning type of smoker where you've got to manage that, you got to put the logs in there, you got to maintain it overnight. No, this, you set it and forget it. Do you get a slightly different bark and a different flavor? Yes. There's no question, the the stick burner, by far the best. However, we will gladly give up a little bit of flavor. And I'm not talking a ton of flavor, and I'm not talking a ton of bark. You can still, by buying the good pellets, you'll still create fantastic barbecue, fantastic smoked meats or fish or poultry, much easier than spending hours in front of that stick-burning smoker. So the first thing we need to do is Pellas. I have sampled them all. I have used the Traeger. I have used the Weber. I have used Bear Mountain. I found a new one called Naughty Wood. That is an interesting story that I'll tell you about. I've tried them all. I've tried the Pitmaster. I've tried the ones you buy at Walmart, the ones you buy at Home Depot, the ones you buy online. I've spent many, many hours testing. And I'm going to tell you, that there are two brands that I really, really recommend. First up is Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain Barbecue. B-E-A-R, like a bear, mountain. What I like about the fact is that they use 100% real wood, no fillers. Some of the the pellets will use fillers. They will use oils. They will use a spray to give it a hickory or an oak or a maple flavor. Uh Uh-uh. You don't want that. Bear Mountain does not spray, they do not not add oils, it is 100% natural hard wood. That is exactly what you want. Now they have a multitude of brands. They've got the bourbon barbecue, they take old bourbon barrels, they got maple, they got oak. Depends on what you're cooking. But I'm gonna tell you that you can't go wrong if you pick up their Bear Mountain gourmet barbecue blend. That features 100% all-natural oak, hickory, maple, and cherry hardwoods. Now, I like oak for brisket. I also like hickory for, for briskets, but you've got to be careful when you do hickory. Can, you've got to really maintain it. So what I tell people is do something that is going to go with everything, an ultimate go-to blend. So, for example, if you're going to make ribs, if you're going to smoke a ribeye, if you're going to smoke, oh, a chicken, or what I'm going to recommend today, a rib roast, you cannot go wrong with the Bear Mountain Barbecue, gourmet barbecue uh, blend of pellets. They say it's balanced, sweet, smoky flavor. The aroma is fantastic. comes in 20-pound bags. You can get it, I tell you what, you can order it online directly from Bear Mountain Barbecue. I think it's uh, $17.99 there, but I'll tell you, at uh, Lowe's now, it's $12.99 a bag. I highly recommend that, and it's available pretty much every Lowe's across the country. They don't, I think they only carry the Bear Mountain Gourmet Barbecue and the Bear Mountain uh, Bourbon Barbecue, but get the gourmet. I highly recommend that. You cannot go wrong. That's the first suggestion. The second is a very relatively new company that I discovered almost by accident. they got an interesting story. It's called the Naughty Wood Company. They're in California. Farmers, and what they did was they like barbecuing, but they never found the pellets that had the bark attached. One of the reasons that stick burners, where you put the entire log into the, into the smoker Into the fire pot. One of the reasons you get that great bark and that great smoky flavor in a stick burning type of smoker is because you get the bark that burns, which adds a tremendous amount of flavor and unique smoke. Well, many of the pellet manufacturers strip off the bark. So they strip the bark, they'll take the oak or they'll take the maple or the hickory or the mesquite or the alderwood and they'll strip it off. You're losing a lot of flavor. It's almost as if you would strip off the wrapper of a cigar. Yeah, you're going to still have flavor, but where do we get about 40 to 50% of the flavor of a cigar? From the wrapper. Consider the Bark the wrapper. So Naughty Wood, they use either almond or plum. They use the entire... All the bark. They built a special factory, a new factory that captures, that uses the bark, compresses it. When you look at their pellets, they look darker than other brands of pellets. So I have sampled both the almond and the plum. It comes in two different, uh, two different styles. I found the almond when I did a brisket to be a little bit too mild. But I used the plum to, uh, to smoke some ribs. And I found plum was excellent adds a really unique flavor, some smokiness, some sweetness, very savory. They're a little bit more expensive. They're $19.99 per bag, and they're also available, uh, I think now at Home Depot and at Lowe's as well, but they don't have them in the stores. Primarily those you have to order online. The Bear Mountain is available in the stores at at, uh, Lowe's, and uh, I believe Costco carries it as well, but Lowe's has the best deal. But I'll tell you, the Naughty Wood Plum, Excellent. In fact, the next time I do a brisket, I'm going to do a 50-50 combo of almond and plum. So I'm going to get some of that sweet, savory taste, and I'm going to get some of the mellowness from the almond. I'm going to give that one a try. So the first thing is pellets. My suggestion, go out and buy a bag of the Bear Mountain Gourmet Barbecue. That's the first thing. Second, go out and order a bag of the Naughty Wood Plum. That would be my suggestion. And here's what you do. You're going to make the same dish twice. You're going to smoke the same type of meat. So the first time, you're going to smoke this particular cut of meat that I'm going to suggest because it's easy. And the second time, you're going to use it with the different pellets. And then take notes and even save, if you will, save some of the rib roast that I'm going to suggest so that you can compare. So you make the first one. Put in the refrigerator, next day make the second one with the different pellets and you will find there is a different flavor and a different taste. Now let's talk about something easy. I wanna give you an easy win-win. So you will look like a, a great pit master, your, your guests will absolutely love the taste and it's super easy. Very set it and forget it-y. Brisket's gonna take you 12, 18 hours. Ribs can take you four or five hours gotta spray, you gotta do all sorts of things. I'm gonna give you something easy, rib roast. Now here's what I suggest you do. You go to Costco, they sell a giant rib roast, but they don't sell it with the bones, which is fine. But I suggest you go to your local supermarket or your local butcher. Tell them you want the, the rib roast with the ribs, but you want them to go ahead and cut, to slice the bottom of the ribs so that it's not all the way off so that you can still get your hand in there to apply rub so that when you're done all you need to do is take a knife and maybe just take that last inch and cut. The ribs to me of a rib roast, a prime rib roast, just tremendous flavor and those bones are going to give it some nice flavor as well while you're smoking it. So you tell them to do that and then you tell them to tie it and give you extra twine as well. Tell them to tie it because sometimes when if they tie it too tight and you go to put some rub, and I'll talk about the rub in a minute, you go to put that rub between the rib roast itself and the ribs, you can't get your hands in there. Sometimes you have to go ahead and cut the twine. No problem. Have them give you, tell them you want like six feet of twine. They'll give it to you, no problem. So you want a rib roast. Depending on how many people, what I figure is I normally just, if I'm going to have you know, four to six people over, I'm going to get maybe four bones. So four-bone rib roast, that's probably going to be, you know, eight pounds, somewhere in there. You'll take it home. Now, you can do several things, but I'm going to give you an easy way to season it. Number one, you're going to have kosher salt. Number two, you're going to have coarse black pepper. If you don't have coarse, regular pepper's fine. Onion powder, a little garlic powder, and then paprika. We're going to keep this simple. You're going to take giant, get extra wide foil. You want the super wide that's like 24 inches, 18 or 24 inches. If it's 18, take several pieces of foil, you're gonna put them on your counter. Gotta be careful because we don't want any uh, salmonella or any bacteria, E. coli, or anything going around. So, what I suggest is number one, wash your hands. Number two, lay out the foil. You will take the rib roast out of the package, take some paper towels, blot it, and then place it on the foil. Go out and pick up some latex gloves from the pharmacy, from uh, Target or Walmart, CVS, Walgreens. Latex gloves. You will not be conducting any proctological examinations. However, you want one hand with the glove on to pat the meat. You don't want your you don't want to be touching the meat and then touching your seasoning bottles. We do not want cross contamination. So after you dry your rib roast, you will wash your hands again, put on a glove. Have all your seasonings laid out, caps off, and you will then take the kosher salt, about maybe 8, 10 inches high above it. You don't have to douse it. Just uh, give it a nice, just a somewhat coating. You should coat probably like a third. It shouldn't be blotched on. Just a little bit, and then inside, again, where the ribs are, and then flip it over, and then you're patting it with your glove. The second thing is you'll take the pepper. You'll do the same thing. You'll then do some onion powder, some garlic powder. You'll do some paprika. I like paprika because it gives it a little bit of a color and adds just a little bit of a subtle taste. Now, if you want to use some some Lowry's uh, seasoned garlic salt or seasoning, you can do that. If you would like to use some other seasonings, you can certainly, certainly do that. If you've got a favorite seasoning you like, there's no right or wrong. The other thing that I like to do is I like to put a little Worcestershire sauce before I put these seasonings on. It's optional, you don't have to do it. I take some Worcestershire sauce, I pat it all around. That acts number one is a good binder so that when you're putting the seasoning on, it holds it. And number two, it does add some nice subtle flavor. You will then put it, you will have your grill at 225 degrees. Now if you can adjust your smoke level, Traeger's have super smoke. Put it on super smoke. That'll give you some more smoke. You want to preheat your grill, actually your smoker, before you start the rib roast. Because what you're going to want to do is have that smoker up to temperature. 225 degrees, let it sit. And then after you have seasoned the rib roast, let it sit at room temperature for about an hour. Just let it absorb. And then you'll put it on the smoker, bone side down, and you will do nothing. For an hour, you will not even look at it. You will do nothing. And then after an hour, what I suggest you do is get just a tad bit of water, get a spray bottle, put a little bit of water in there. That's all you need. Or if you want, you can put a little water in bourbon or water in scotch. It's not going to add a lot of flavor. But after an hour, you want to check the bark. You don't want it to dry out, so you will spray just a little bit with a fine mist. You don't have to douse it. And that will help build the bark and attract smoke. Also, I suggest you get a little water pan, a little foil pan, fill it with water, keep it in your smoker. That'll keep the smoke humid. You don't want the dryness to occur. You want a, a temperature probe in the center of the rib roast. And you are going to be looking for about 110 degrees. Now, this is to serve it medium rare. Now, the reason I want it to 110 is because we're going to sear that outside to really get some nice, Crunchy, not crunchy, but nice Pittsburgh-style bark. And there's two ways you can do that. So when it hits 110, you'll do one of two things. You'll crank your smoker up to the maximum temperature. I think it's 450 or 500 on most. And once you get to that temperature, keep it on for about eh, maybe five to seven minutes. Turn it. Make sure you get that nice crust on the top of it. You can even do it on the side if you want. But you'll find at that higher temperature you will get crust. And when it hits 125... In the center, take it out, you wanna wrap it. You wanna wrap it, cover it with foil in a pan, you don't wanna touch it for at least a half an hour. Those juices are gonna reabsorb, the muscle is gonna relax, the moisture is going to go back into that meat. About a half an hour later, you take it out, you're ready to slice, and you'll get that nice medium rare on the inside, and you'll get more on the medium side towards the outside. And you will have some beautiful rib roast that everybody will ooh and ah over. Easy peasy. It'll probably take you for, I can't figure about 20 to 25 minutes a pound. So if you get a four pounder, you know, you're looking maybe at an hour and a half, an hour 40, but it's easy. And after the first hour, again, just a little fine mist. And then every half hour thereafter, another fine mist. Don't go crazy, but check that temperature. And I suggest... To anybody that is purchasing a new grill and you, Lieutenant Bill in Atlanta, go out and get a Thermopen MK4, the finest digital thermometer and most accurate known to man. I think they've got a new one now. It's an MK4 or MK5, but the MK4 is what I have. The probes that come with a grill aren't necessarily totally accurate, but you use that probe, that'll tell you right on the money within one-tenth of a degree, what the temperature is. So give that a try. Rib roast, it is easy. Just send me a picture, Alan. I want to see the pictures when it is done. And in fact, I think I'm going to go uh, pick up a rib roast and make that this weekend for Memorial Day. All right, one reminder, don't forget to subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast and the Bold Alpha Brother podcast as well. Make sure you give us a five-star review. Again, the Officers Club shipment, the April shipment just went out last Monday. You should have it already, or if not, if you're in Hawaii, Alaska, you should have it either today being Saturday or on Tuesday. Again, there's a holiday, so you don't get mail on uh, Sunday and Monday, but you should have it by Tuesday. The Casa Turin 1880 has gone out. And then, middle of next week, I believe Wednesday, Thursday, the Alec Bradley Spring Sampler will be going out, so be on the lookout for that, that is the Alec Bradley Black Market, the Alec Bradley Black Market SLE, Alec Bradley Max. A reminder: starting June 1st for all members, the monthly membership fee goes up to 25.95 per month. We only raised it uh, three bucks. I mean, we should have raised it a lot more. We didn't. I just uh, hate raising it. It's been over a decade since we last raised it, but thanks to Biden inflation, we have no choice. And if you're not a member, check it out, cigardave.com. Click on Officers Club, all the info and details there. Cigar Dave, the general, saying Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long, semper delectatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. To all our men and women, that serve this country bravely and pay the ultimate price. We thank you for your service. We remember you on this Memorial Day weekend. May you rest in peace and to those 19 young students in Uvalde, Texas and the two teachers that were tragically taken from this earth far too soon May they all rest in peace and comfort all to those families. That is going to be a very difficult time for all of them and for that entire community as well as this entire country. We have a lot of work to do. We can solve these problems. It just takes being serious to do it. Have a safe Memorial Day weekend and on Monday. I ask that you pause at high noon just for a minute and pay tribute to all those men and women who are no longer with us but paid the price so that we could enjoy freedom in the United States of America.